everybody. This is Mark Fines, and welcome to the Mark Fines Show. And this is your one-stop shop for everything regarding conservatism, the Constitution, freedom, and frankly, just the way that you ought to live your life. That's the way I look at it. And folks, today we are going to be talking with Kevin Edwards, who's going to be running for the District uh, 8 seat here in Virginia in this upcoming midterm election. And this, as you guys know, is going to be a pivotal point, I believe, in America. You know, you just look around you, you look at what's going on, not only in this country, but look up north to Canada and look at how freedoms are being taken from people that just want the government out of their lives and look at the government responses up there. Now, I understand that Canada, a completely different country, completely different system. It does not look anything like uh, the United States or at least our, you know, our system. But folks, this is, this is sort of a, a compass point or the compass pointing in the direction of what, what could happen in this country if we are not careful. After all, here in Virginia, look at what's been happening with the mask mandates and va- or vaccine mandates and, and the mask uh, in schools. And look at how uh, schools are now fighting Governor Yunkin, trying to keep children masked even though there is little to no evidence that there was any f- effect whatsoever other than it's destroyed lives, created depression, increased addiction, increased suicides, and all kinds of different problems. But look at the pushback that we've had. And the governor has had to go back and then uh, gone, go through the legislature to mandate that, uh, that these, uh, the, these things get lifted. Now, it just shows you the importance of politics. It shows you that politics matter. And as one candidate that I interviewed this last year said, you do politics or politics is going to do you. It's up to you, but that's what's going to happen. So uh, as we've mentioned on the Mark Fine show before, I really think that this uh, midterm election is going to be disastrous for the Democrats unless some sort of miracle happens for Joe Biden and the Democrats, but I can't imagine that. But as we move forward, we're going to be introducing you to the candidates that are running for the various seats here in Virginia, in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And one of those uh, people running is going to be Ken Edwards, again, for the 8th District here in Virginia. And he is running up against uh, Don Beyer, who's been the incumbent for about four cycles. In other words, about 30 years, actually. I don't think that a Republican has been holding that seat. So it's going to be an uphill battle. It's going to be tough, but thank goodness we got people that are stepping up to the plate and getting involved in that. And so with that, I want to introduce you today to uh, Kevin and get to know a little bit about him, and then we'll have him back on to drill down into some of the more specific issues as we get closer with that. So with that, Kevin, welcome to the show. Yeah, Mark, thank you very much for having me. Well, I thank you. very much. Well, tell us a bit about yourself and what motivates you to get into this this race. Yeah, yeah. So careful with that. <laughs> 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 haven't haven't officially declared yet. Uh, so careful. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. You know, uh, people like myself. You know, I'm I'm pretty sure you're going to be seeing it more and more. You know, folks that have not held elected office in the past. You know, are really taking a hard look at whether or not what they're seeing in their own district, let alone you know, the United States of America, is, is what they want to see happen. Uh, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see more and more people like myself who, like I said, never held office that are taking a, a hard look at running uh, against their incumbents. Yeah, you know, you and I were talking about this before we came on the, the air, that there are more and more people getting fed up with what they're seeing happening to their country, and they've decided that they want to do something about it, which is great. That's what America is all about. 
You know, we yeah. we we were never. It was never intended that being in Congress was a career. It's something that you're supposed to do, where you uh, get in, have your say, you represent the people, and then you go back to what you were doing before. And uh, hopefully, we get back into that, and hopefully, uh, we get people, you know, the citizen patriots, to get into, you know, get in and represent their communities the way that uh, they should be represented, as opposed to, um, you know, big tech. And uh, all of these different interests that have seemed to have infiltrated Washington, and I'm assuming that you're the same way. That there's some something prompted you to wake up one day and say, "I think I want to do this. I want to do something to help my community." What what prompted all of this or this desire on your part? Yeah, you're exactly right. That's that's what happened. So I'm I'm not a native Virginian or Washingtonian. I'm actually from Western Pennsylvania. And I've been down in Virginia, D.C. area for 15, 16 years now. You know, and of course, no matter who you talk to in the area, that you somehow come into contact with politics in the subject, right? Uh, it's kind of the nature of this area. Um, you know, but I probably would say to you, I've been considering something like this for about 10 years, uh, waiting for the right opportunity to come up, you know, whether it be uh, state or federal level. Uh, but I've spent my career in business development, marketing, uh, branding, and messaging. So I know what it means whenever uh, you need to actually have the proper messaging for a program or for a candidate or for a service. Um, and I think that's what uh, that's one thing that I've really kept in mind where if I do step in like this into, into a race, then I have that experience and that knowledge behind me where you know, other candidates would not, perhaps not even my incumbent. I don't know. Uh, but um, I think that is going to help me in the long run, whether it's this cycle, next cycle, you know. But what really came down to it is I'm starting to see things happen that I am really not happy with. You know, whether uh, one was for Donald Trump's administration or not, uh, you know, you have to look at the bigger picture. His, a lot of his policies worked. Some of them didn't, but a lot of them worked. And it's almost as if the Biden administration came in and on day one. They said, okay, we didn't like this guy. We don't like what he's saying even now. We're just going to go ahead and change everything. Whether it was working or not, they didn't really take a look at that, in my opinion. And uh, you see the result of that today. You know, open borders. God knows who's coming through the southern border. And I'm telling you now, it's not just people from South and Central America. We see that every day. Um, you know, we've got a potential war breaking out here in, in Europe. Over what? <laughs> High inflation. You know, a COVID uh, uh, situation that's not getting any better. But yet, look at this. We're talking about rolling back a lot of these mandates, which some of which I'm for, some of which I'm, I would not support. Um, but nobody's really taken a hard look at what would be the best strategy here. Um, it's it's more or less re we're reacting to public opinion in a lot of cases. So everything seemed to be going into hell in a handbasket in the last 14, 16 months. It's really something. You know, you, you said that Joe Biden came into office, and it's almost as if he's just if, – if Donald Trump was for it, he's against it. And that's an interesting concept because it's something I've thought about as well. Uh, whether you liked Donald Trump as a person or not, the fact is a lot of what he did worked. A lot of what he did was good for the country. And I think the Democrats, if you're honest with yourselves, you have to admit that. There are, in fact, I, as I sit here and think right now, I can't think of one thing that Joe Biden has done 
that has worked out well or worked out in the best interest of the country. Mm-hmm. I, I just can't. And that's not because I dislike Joe Biden. It, it has nothing to do with that. I'm, I'm being honest. I cannot think of one thing the man has done that has worked out well for the country. And, you know, it's again, if it if he was for it, we are against it. And folks, that's not how to run a country. Um, you know, I, I don't know about you, Kevin, but I don't I don't vote for a president because I want them to be my buddy. And I don't vote for a president because I president because I necessarily like them as a as a human being. The quality of human being, you know, because we apply that standard, standard, Kevin. Um, if it came down to you as a, you know, I'm voting for you because you're a good person, a nice person. Um, you know, why in the hell would have anybody have voted for Bill Clinton? Bill Clinton was not a good human being. All right. Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. is not a good human being. And I think that, you know, we're starting to see more and more of that. And so we have to get out of this emotional voting and what is in the best interest of the, the country. So that standard being applied to you in running, what is it about that you would bring to the table that would be in the best interest of uh, the United States and, uh, you know, representing Virginia, the Commonwealth of Virginia? What is it that you think is in our best best interest and you would you would pursue there's two things that i think complement each other uh th- that would be in the best interest of not just my district but in the country in itself and i think that uh the country would be a lot better off if you had people um thinking along the lines that what i'm what i'm about to suggest is uh, but you, ha- you have to take two hard looks at the economy and our federal budget those two go hand in hand in a lot of cases okay We've got high inflation right now. Why? We've been pumping so much money into the economy that inflation has skyrocketed to, what, the highest level in 30, 40 years. Everything that we buy now is much more expensive than a year before. We've now surpassed $30 trillion in debt where we weren't even close to that 20 years ago. Now, something needs to be done with it, but not a lot of people are talking about it. And people who are either you know, are running or thinking about running, aren't talking about it right now. They'd be crazy to talk about it because what person would think, oh man, this guy's talking about cutting spending. I want to vote for him or her. You know, but we seriously have to take a look at this. You cannot continue to pump money into the economy that is coming from lenders and, and, and the U.S. Mint for just <laughs> to, to print another uh, set of trillion dollars or so just to flow into the economy. You can't just keep doing that. The consequences aren't we're going to be, we're going to feel them today like we are, but two, three generations from now, they're going to be dealing with this. And a lot of uh, I would say a lot of it would be uh, our fault if we let it happen. We need to take a, a serious look at that budget and start reducing our spending back to where it was 20 years ago. Because if you look back at history, you'll see major events, whether it be, uh, you know, natural disaster, war, you name it. Um, You'll see spending upticks after each one of those events, right? So we have to deal with it. Spending then comes down back to pre-event levels. That never happened in the last 20 years in our case. We had a 20-year-long war on terror that we're still dealing with on top of dealing with the expenses of COVID with all the trillions of dollars we pumped into the economy. So we really need to take a hard look at that and bring our... um, Bring our budget back in check. And one of the things I would really support, and I, I think we should get support in this in Congress, is we need to bring the concept of the contract of America that we had in the 1990s, mm. re- revisit that for the 21st century. We need to have a new contract with America. 
That's an interesting concept. And mm-hmm. you're right. There, there are things that we're not talking about. And I think that COVID has a lot to do with that. I mean, if you look at the news cycle, it's COVID, 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 COVID. And then prior to COVID, it was Russiagate, Russiagate, Russiagate. And we seem to be really singular in how we we track issues right now in the country to the exclusion of all other problems that are going around the world. For example, you know, China's on the move, Iran's on the move, Russia's on the move. Um, There's potentially really bad things are happening, but we hyper-focus on, you know, single issues and uh, forget the fact that the, you know, the budget you know, our budget, the deficit, inflation, all of these things are issues. It seems like we've lost the ability to multitask. And if we're not careful, these things are going to sneak up on us and mm-hmm. and create all kinds of problems. And you mentioned the, the budget or the deficit. Uh, you know, 20 years ago, we were just like scratching our heads going, oh, my God, we can't we can't maintain these spending levels. But the fact mm-hmm. is that was child's play compared to what we're facing now. Child's play. Mm-hmm. Well, sure. You know, and back to my comment on how, you know, some things worked under Trump, some didn't, um, a lot of which did. But one of the things that you go and look back on, the expanse of our expenditures under the Trump administration was just as bad as as, uh, the Obama administration as well. Uh, So don't get me wrong there. But, um, you know, it's it's well past time that you need people in Congress like myself who know how to, to grow jobs, know how to manage budgets and bring that experience there where we can come to an agreement on what we are going to spend as discretionary fixed and, uh, and to satisfy our debts. Mm. Mm. And um, yeah. well, talk to us about some of the things that uh, when you say that Donald Trump, you, you like some of the policies and some of them you didn't. Um, what are, what are some of the things that you did like? And then, you know, on the flip side, what, what did not work in your opinion? What, what, would you have done differently? Yeah. You know, I was a, a, a huge supporter of the, the tax cut plan. Yeah. You know, I would have liked to have seen more, uh, but you know what? You've got to, uh, you got to swing for the fences like he did. And I, I like where we ended up, you know, something is better than nothing in this case. And I think in, in the example we saw, there was a good compromise between both sides. I would say that was probably one of the major times in recent history where we can say, yes, our government worked together to come to a solution. Because uh, as, as you see now, all you see on TV, on C-SPAN and, and the other news channels is there all the infighting going on. Um, you know, I think his approach to border security on our, our southern border absolutely had a major effect. All you need to do is look at the numbers now versus a year, then a year prior to that. That definitely shows that the policy there is working. Now, one one thing that uh, I think that um, he made a commitment not to do, uh, which I, I would disagreed with, was uh, not touching the entitlements, the entitlement programs we have. I think that um, we are too far down a road in our country where we need to look at every single expenditure, not exclude a certain segment of it. You know, we have to look at our welfare programs. We have to look at our entitlements. Um, See, can we can we as a country afford this anymore? Um, you know, that, it, it's it's hard to say that, uh, you know, because I'm going to be in a group of people in 30, 40 years that's going to be pulling on that money and what, or if it's there, <laughs> uh, if there's any uh, you know, uh, you know, retirement funds available for us. But it, it's a hard thing to say. But yes, we you do know, need to it is. But I, I think when you tie the two connected to what you're talking you were talking about the border 
and people mm-hmm. coming across the border, you know, if we, the people that were coming across the border and we treated them as, as though they are illegal aliens, as opposed to the new term now is these are immigrants, these are migrants. No, they are illegal aliens. And the problem is, is that when people come across the border, we're throwing benefits at them, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and it, let me walk through this here a little bit and get your, your feedback on this. But if years ago, when some of these entitlement programs came up, and they were instituted, it was pretty clear as a nation where we were, you know, these were our citizens and these are the entitlements. But the problem is now that we have, we're we're having so many people come into the country illegally, but yet we're just, we are bestowing upon them benefits that they're not entitled to because they did not come here legally. And that's, that's another expense. And we just keep, we just keep throwing money at this situation. And then that then affects every other program that we have to include what you're talking about. And we just can't, we can't do it all. We, we cannot do all of this because it's, it's bankrupting the country. And mm-hmm. you know, that that's just one of one of many arguments why we have to shut the border down, not the least of which is just national security, because we, as you rightly said, it's not just you think, oh, what you have again do you have something against uh, Mexicans coming across the border? Folks, we have no idea who's coming across the border, and that's a security issue. We really don't. I mean, your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Uh, it is absolutely a security issue. Uh, you, you know, my part of my family uh, is deep rooted in in, uh, in uh, the Hispanic community, and you know, every time I talk about this issue or something I see on the headlines, and I start talking about it, some of them will roll their eyes and say, "No, no, it's not what you think." <laughs> it's uh, it, it, I'm not talking strictly about folks coming from you know uh, Mexico or Central America, right? Um, Everyone, everyone, everyone you can think of is coming across there. Last week we catch a couple of Iranians. Week before that we catch some Chinese and others from different locations in Europe. It just it happens every day. And what happens whenever we catch and release those people? Okay, it they start sucking on the uh, the system here. They mm-hmm. start bleeding us dry. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know whether it's yeah healthcare, education. You know I, I live in a very diverse uh, area of Virginia. Right. And I'm all for uh, providing people, you know, the services that our our city provides. Uh, You know, education is a good example. You know, there's people here that live here that are not immigrants. Okay, they are illegal aliens and their kids go to my local schools. That that touches on a very big issue over here in in this area. But, Mm -hmm. you know, um, just to scratch the surface, there is, you know, you kind of hit that line of. Humanity, uh, you know, at what point do you just have to say no? But then you also have that part of you that, you know, you have a heart. These are kids. You know, you want them to have a, an education, right? And then you can also stretch that to, well, if they're not having an education, what are they doing? In my particular area here, we've seen a, a large uptick in crime uh, with teenagers and, and young adults. Mm-hmm. You know, that in a, a way can be contributed back to they are not having the best home environment to send them to school. Um, so there's a lot of reasons for that. But, but yeah, at some point you have to say, yes, we have a heart as a country, but we can't not afford it. Why is it always America that has to foot the bill to allow everyone to come in, whether or not we can afford it? Right. You know, and, and I made this argument the other day uh, in a, in a uh, interview with Leadership uh, Nova. Um, 
when we were talking about our foreign policy uh, in, in our activities right now over in Europe, it says, we are a huge part of NATO, financially speaking. But my argument was, why does it always have to be America to send the troops over? Why? And that, and that was in reference to right now we have American troops staring down Russian troops on the other side of the border of Ukraine. Yeah. What, why are we doing that? You know, I, I, I made the comment the other day that there's no strategic reason for us to be over there uh, and uh, have boots on the ground to to prevent an invasion uh, of Russia, which nine, ten thousand troops will not prevent an invasion. But that's what we have over there. Um, and uh, yes, I mean, there's there's natural resources as, as a big reason to be over there and to pr protect those from Russia getting their hands on it. But from strategically from the United States perspective. There's no reason for us to be over there. Now, the humanitarian aspect of it is another question. You know, do we need to go over there because of that? But I'm getting a little off track here from your original question. Yeah, but but, uh, <laughs> but your your original point was that even on the humanitarian side, is it just the United States that's going to address that, or are other countries going to stand up and do their part? As you mentioned, it's always the United States because. You know, when people say, oh, come on, do, do you not have a heart? The fact is, other countries don't do what we do. I tell you what, any of these mm -hmm. countries that where, where people are, are flooding here, try to reverse that. Reverse the polarity on that and go to where they're coming from and go across those borders. Let me, how, let me know how that works out for you and how well you're going to be treated when you, when you mm -hmm. go to any one of those countries. And I am not anti-immigration, and it doesn't sound like you there are, but it's immigration. You cannot, there is a process to it. And and we as a nation have a right to know who you are when you come here. We have a right to do a background check on you. We have a, a right to test you to make sure you're not bringing in some disease that's going to be, uh, you know, creating an issue for us. Uh, we have a right to ask you if you have financial, uh, the ability to financially sustain yourself here. By the way, these are all things that we did before. These are things that mm -hmm. we've done in this country. And most of us, are here because somebody in our family line immigrated here. But we as a separate sovereign nation have the right to have a process, an orderly process, to do that. Because if you don't, then you're no longer a sovereign nation. And, you know, as somebody that spent years in the military and then years in law enforcement, much of which was counterterrorism, that's what I did my career. It's amazing to me all the years of work that my life, I mean, most of my adult life was spent keeping this nation safe from people coming here and harming us. And all of the security measures that we had in place, all of the investigations I've done over the years, and now it's almost like it's irrelevant. It's absolutely irrelevant. Like, what would I be investigating at this point? Right. It's like this president does not care who comes across the border. And it's kind of silly to think that if you were to go to an international airport, for example, if you were to go up the road to Dulles Airport, you're going to have to go through Customs and Border Patrol. And they have very serious guidelines, strict guidelines when you come through, when you get off of an airplane and you walk through the airport. But yet if I went down to the border – None of that would apply. And this administration is okay with that. In fact, encourages it. It makes no sense to me whatsoever what we're doing. And um, I really think we're going to pay a dear price for that in the future. That's just my opinion. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. 
I think so too. I mean, uh, if it's not just the financial side of it, uh, I, I believe we're going to, you know, take a hard hit because of that anyway. But um, to further expand on that, yeah, I, I think the security aspect of it is a huge, huge problem that we potentially could have another issue to deal with here at home, uh, simply because of that. Because we 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 don't know who is, who uh, uh, comes across the border every day. We're lucky to catch who we catch. No. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's just it's just insane. It's insane. Now, but switching gears a little bit, um, some of the more current issues that have been, of course, not big, not just big nationally, but certainly here in the Commonwealth, Virginia, is um, what about uh, critical race theory in schools, masking in schools, the mandates that we've had. You know, as you know, that there's been a big battle between. Um, you know some of the the people, and particularly in the northern counties of Virginia, and the governor. You know the new governor Yunkin. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of weigh in on that a little bit. What's sort of your perspective on what's going on? Yeah. So, interestingly enough, so uh, about three weeks ago, I was on Face the Nation with a handful of other parents, and uh, one other parent was uh, here in, in Virginia. We had a couple others uh, scattered around the country. We talked about this issue on point. Um, regarding COVID and parenting uh, during that, uh, during the last couple of years. But uh, because the mask mandate has become such a hot button issue across the country, and yes, uh, very much in Virginia lately, we, t- we, we discussed it, right? And I, I was quite surprised that um, several of those parents on there were either adamantly for the masks or the complete opposite, you know? They didn't want the masks on their kid in school. They felt like their their civil liberties as a parent were were being infringed. And 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 to me, I understand both sides. And 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 I see where Youngkin is going with this. And and by the way, I did vote for Youngkin overall because mm-hmm. I, I I support his policies. And this is this is one of the policies where there's some disagreement with with me as a voter. Um, but I, I see it as. Uh, in my particular case, when my kid got sick with COVID, I double masked in the house. Same thing with my girlfriend. We did that too. Said, what the heck? It, it, we'll find out. It can't hurt. Um, and it turns out neither one of us got sick over a five-week period that we, we quarantined. Five weeks. <laughs> um, so, sure, masks don't, don't work 100% of the time. I don't think uh, anybody ever said they did. Uh, However, they can work. It doesn't hurt. It only improves your chances of not getting sick. Uh, you know, so when I see this mass debate here in schools, I understand where the parents are coming from. I understand where Yonka's coming from. But, you know, it, I look at it as, look, we're still not out of the woods yet. We're just coming off of this Omicron variant. And it should be for the better good of the, of the, of the people, and in this case, the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in my particular scenario, I'm a little jaded by it because uh, there was a family in, in my son's daycare that through investigation and found out that they knew they were exposed to COVID, but they sent their kid to school anyway. OK, and, and my son at the time was not required to wear a mask in the school uh, due to their age group. So he caught it simply from not wearing a mask and being around that child. Um, so when I look at it in public schools, Parents and children are making a conscious decision to wear them or not. You know what? If we have to do it for another six months or so, 
for the better good of the of the children and the other families that are connected with these kids give it another six months you know the one thing that we're not seeing here right now like we saw with the trump administration is you had the administration up there president trump and vice president pence explaining to the american people with hard numbers this is what's going on this is what we're trying to prevent and here's where we currently are you don't see that with the Biden administration right no, now. No, you don't. You know, if you saw something like that, if the display of that information on a repetitive basis, perhaps we have a different tone in the country as to for or against these mass mandates. I think you might have a different tone. You know, you know that's the, that's a very good point. And as you and I were talking, as I'd mentioned earlier, that we had Russiagate, Russiagate, Russiagate. And then now uh, COVID, COVID, COVID. It, I'm talking about the news cycles here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it is amazing the difference between how all of this was treated under Trump, where we had the daily death count. We had the, uh, you know, the, the numbers of people that were contracting COVID, and it was just constant. When's the last time you've seen that? You haven't seen it at all in this administration. It's amazing. And maybe part of this, as, as you mentioned, is uh, – People just aren't educated on what's going on. Now, this is a debate. Mm -hmm. This absolutely is a debate. And we've lost the ability to debate this. And where I will, um, just a couple things on that, and this is just just my opinion, but this is, but I respect other people's opinion, and I, and I respect your opinion, which maybe slight, well, is slightly different than, than mine, and that is this. Uh, I'm for liberty, and I, and I think that this should be up to the parent. You know, now if you want to mask, mm -hmm. double mask, hey, God bless you. There's nobody, nobody's going to criticize people for doing that. It's the mandate because the science, um, when it comes down to it, um, Johns Hopkins University, you may be aware of this, just came out with a study that said that the masking and the lockdowns had maybe 0.2 or less percent um, difference, according to their study, in, in whether uh, people contracted this or not. Um, but, however, it was a horrific horrific derivative from that was uh mental health issues addiction suicide depression loneliness and by the way those of you that know my background know i work in that field quite a bit and it's been horrendous on that side of the fence i mean to the, and it's and it's shameful and in fact one of these days i'm going to do a whole podcast on just what i have seen in that field horrific results and the the lockdowns and mandates uh, with very little to show for uh, people being masked. Because I could throw it out this way, you know, if if I want to be masked, right, so if a mask protects me, right, then it should protect me from no matter what you do. I mean, if, if it's for my protection. And, and if somebody else is not wearing a mask, well, then that's fine, but I am wearing a mask. Or if I've been vaccinated and if I've been boosted, all those types of things. And then you can also throw in that there's very – that children, unless they have pre – and this is true of everyone. If you have a pre-existing condition or you're mor morbidly obese, yeah, you have a lot – or you're elderly, you have a lot to worry about. But for somebody that's relatively healthy like myself, yourself, and, and children, um, you know, we, we talk about – contracting covid is as though it's some sort of death sentence where it's a bad thing i got covid early on in fact i'm probably one of the first people that got covid and it was a crappy week no doubt about it but i got it and i've been i know for a fact i've been exposed to all kinds of people to include my family that had covid 
And nothing happened mm-hmm. after that because I had natural immunity, which, depending on the study, is 26, 27 times more um, protective than than even getting the the booster, the vaccine at the booster shot. And so, but but going to your point, the problem is that this this information and the things that I'm I'm that I just mentioned are not put out by the administration or even by the press. No one talks about the other devastating effects. I work in a treatment center right now, and the number of patients that come in and say that their drinking and drugging went to dangerous levels during the lockdowns, it, it, it's the majority of the patients that come in, and nobody talks about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's really, that's a real shame, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, given the, the business that I'm in, I, I don't come across that very often at all, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I don't know what it's like to be in, in that particular situation. That's a um, pandemic yeah. in and of itself. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's really sad to hear that there's a lot of people suffering like that. And the, um, w- one of the things that, that I wonder about, and perhaps you can, you can share a little bit of insight on it is, uh, you know, how does that affect our, our veteran community? Horrific. I mean, you've seen uh, the Trump administration yeah. made a huge effort to improve the uh, relationship with between the American people and taking care of its veteran community. Yeah. Uh, you don't hear about that now. No surprise there uh, from the Biden administration. But um, how is <laughs> how has the lack of uh, let me rephrase that? <laughs> how does the different approach with the the veteran administration and the and the veteran community uh, change with the administration? But then also dealing with c- COVID under a new administration anyway. How's that affected him? And my guess would not have been very good. No, not at all. Um, the veteran community, uh, you know, there, there's a there's T-shirts going around. Um, I don't know if you've seen these, 22. Um, if you ever see shirts, and what that means is 22 um, per day. On average, the veteran community sees 22 suicides per day. And wow. we don't hear that talked. Now the veterans know that. The people in the military community know that, but uh, the rest of the public doesn't. And 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 I will tell you this: that um, uh, those that face addiction issues um, or mental health issues, uh, that that issue is more deadly to you than COVID ever will be. And mm-hmm. and that's just something that's just not talked about. And I think that's where this uprising, whether you agree with mass mandates and, or not, I mean, we, uh, the one, I think we can all agree, and I know that you and I agree on this, is that uh, w- what we have not done as a nation is talked about. So what is our plan moving forward? Okay, it looks like COVID's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. Um, okay, but are we going to continue living the way that we're living from here on out? And and you don't hear any sober, uh, cogent thought on Okay, so how are we going to move forward and and deal with this? Because we have other things to worry about, like the economy, like uh, rogue nation states, aggressive nation states. You know, uh, we we can't be a single issue country. COVID is not the only threat we face, and and we're getting to the point to where I might even argue it's not the biggest threat that we face. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because uh, I can tell you, if you're active duty military right now. Uh, what's happening in China, what's happening to Ukraine is a bigger issue and potentially a bigger threat to your life than COVID is. But we're not talking yeah, about cause it. I, uh, I will tell you that, you know, our adversaries were watching how we handled Afghanistan. Yep. And that that was a complete bonkers episode. I mean, that, that defines circus if there ever needed a, a definition. Um, 
you know, but the Biden administration left us there without an intelligence apparatus. After 20 years of war, mm-hmm. we can, we cannot actively collect intelligence on the ground anymore. We just don't have the networks. No. Right. And Russia, China, our other adversaries were watching what happened and they see how weak we are from the top down. Russia's pushing the envelope. China's pushing the envelope. North Korea is doing it again. Um, it, it's not a pretty sight. It's not a pretty sight. We have a weak, weak element at the top, not just President Biden, but the, the entire administration. Harrison. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, you look you look at the chain of command there, Harris and Pelosi. Oh, geez. Ah. It's pretty scary. I, I would I would struggle to say that any of those three would be better to deal with our foreign uh, policy issues right now. Because you raise a good point, And that is, t- t- tell me what's going on in Afghanistan right now. And the answer to that is, is nobody knows. Because we don't yeah. have an intelligence apparatus there anymore. Nobody knows what's going on over there. Um, when when was the last time, you know, when Trump was in office, Kim Jong-un was pretty silent. Iran was pretty silent. Russia was pretty silent. But look at it now. You know, weakness, weakness breeds aggression. I mean, you don't, you don't have to be a political scientist to even think that. I mean, you, uh, we, I think we all just know that from basic human nature. That you know, when you're out on the school schoolyard, uh, bullies that uh, bullies become more aggressive when they sense weakness in other people, and that's exactly what we have going on right now. And the situation that you're talking about in Afghanistan, if that issue alone does not prevent uh, Joe Biden from being reelected, I I don't know what else is. That you know, as a veteran myself, that that was absolutely abhorrent. The way that withdrawal, and for those that want to talk about, well, look, we needed to get out. You know, it was going to happen no matter what. No, it, it's don't lose sight of the focus of what the discussion was. It wasn't that that we left. That's not the issue. It was mm-hmm. how we left is the issue. Because yeah. I, I for one, am getting tired of this argument. Well, it was twenty years. Well, how much longer? No, 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 no. We didn't. Who in their right mind would remove the military before they remove the civilians? And that's exactly what this guy did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you can't. Well, sure, people do argue, you know, on why that was sensible, but no, I I, I certainly don't agree with it. Yeah, you know, and what it did was it sent that. the message to the rest of the world that that uh, we have an administration that doesn't know what they're doing. Now, uh, how this applies to you is, you know, we've got three more years of this abomination of an administration, and they are completely out of control. But in the midterms, we can at least slow some of the things down. And one of which, and this we're going to be shifting gears again here, one of which is the potential investigations that could be coming out from some of the stuff that was done leading into this last election. And, um, and that, you know, because I get asked questions all the time, well, what's going to happen? What do you think of the Durham investigation? What do you think is going to happen? What about this? What about that? Well, first of all, um, the Democrats contr- control all three branches of government. But in November, with you running and others running, we have the chance to change that. And with that may be the potential to um, dig in a bit more into the things that happened, that we know happened. Maybe your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I think that you're kind of right on point there. We're not we're going to see ourselves get to a point where you, you see some investigations going on, but we're going to hit a roadblock as long as we have all three branches of government controlled by the Democrats. We're only going to be able to get so far. Right, right. You know, and we as a country, in order to heal, 
whether it be the dorm investigation, whether it be the, the January 6th investigation, we need to go ahead and move past this. But we need to have the information in front of us and need to trust the American people with the information. Mm-hmm. You know, I, um, I, I've said for a while, you know, whether it be any one of those investigations, whether it be uh, the origins of COVID or um, the true numbers regarding uh, the COVID deaths in this country, um, you got to trust the American people with the real information. You can't treat them as if they're children and you can't trust them with information that they need to hear to, to hold their, to run their daily lives. You can't do that. No, and that's that's a good point. And when it comes to the, well, you just mentioned the January 6th investigation, uh, you know, yeah, there needs to be an investigation, but the way that they're doing it, where you have Nancy Pelosi hand-selecting all of the members to include the Republican members, that's not a fair way to do an investigation. That's not a true investigation. It's a show trial, but mm-hmm. how are people like me and people like you ever, I mean, I... Right now, the way things are done and the way that Nancy Pelosi has handpicked all of these people, I would never trust any report that came out from them anyway. No. You can't run an investigation that way. It's similar to uh, you see something come out on the news. Uh, Let's say something comes up on Fox News. Can you trust it entirely that that's uh, the unbiased view? No. So what do you do? You go to another news station, CNN. Well, okay, and then you take the two. And you kind of come up with your own opinion on what you think is actually the truth. I wouldn't trust any report that comes out of them either. I would do the same thing, you know, evaluate from different sources and determine the truth for myself. That's exactly right. And um, in regarding Durham, it, it looks like this is going, it, it's growing. Just the little tidbits, the little, not leaks, but, you know, information we get from uh, court filings that come out. It's very, very interesting. And as a criminal investigator myself, and, and having <laughs> been through lots of court filings, I read these things and I realize, ooh, there's there's a lot more to this story than the, than the public realizes. But I also know uh, on the political side that uh, if we do not have a more balanced government, whatever Durham reveals to the public is, is going to be meaningless if it's blocked every every step of the way and and i'm hoping mm-hmm. to get that balance and hoping that people like like you get into office and allow a ju- that's all we want in this country really is just justice whatever the truth is whatever the truth is get that truth out and like you said let the american public make up its own mind as to what that means and what we should do about it ultimately mm-hmm. I, I agree i i agree with that you know pick pick an issue any issue, let the American people understand. You know, I, I read an article the other day uh, to kind of pivot a little bit. But, uh, it talked about how the Biden administration is actively going into court uh, to stop uh, a report to come out on the Dominion voting machines. Why would you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Why would you do that? Well, what are you trying to hide? You know, that makes the American people even more suspicious. You know, whether they were for or whether they thought Joe Biden was duly elected or not, that still makes them suspicious. Uh, why, why would you try and hide that and quash that? In fact, wouldn't you make the argument, like, let's say I was a, a Biden supporter and I thought, you know, like, our, our guy was, was duly elected. This was completely legit. Wouldn't that even support the point that you would want, that wouldn't you want that released more so? I would. Yeah, you would think so. Because I would know that people don't believe me, 
So I would want any information to support. I mean, if this ultimately, if this supported your case, why would you not want that information released? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, See, that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about that we have to uncover. And, you know, from a statement analysis of uh, viewpoint, you know, my friend Frank Runnels, who has his own podcast, Lies People Tell, he's been on this program a number of times. You know, when you get into statement analysis, that's one of the things that would raise a red flag, that why would you not want that information to come forward? But this is the stuff that the American people are getting tired of. They're getting tired of the injustice of what's going on. And uh, I know that's what's driven me to get more and more involved. And it sounds like that that's partly what is driving you as well. It is. It, it is. Um, you know, I'm not happy to, to see where our country is going in a lot of cases, as we've talked about. And just seeing it every day, every day, it's, um, you know, like myself and there's other people out there that are saying, hey, enough is enough. Enough is enough. I mean, yeah. What what really um, what really kind of uh, woke me up one day and uh, made me talk to my family about this is that look it says I just woke up again. I'm reading an article first thing in the morning. It talks about moving past COVID again. We need to learn to live with it. Like I told you earlier in the in this in the call here, I'm a branding guy by 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 profession. <laughs> by coming out saying. The American people need to learn to live with COVID. That is a huge, huge misstep. Wrong message because people like me who believe we should still be investigating the origins of it so we can find out how to really quash this Mm -hmm. overall. um, That's a huge misstep. We don't need, in my opinion, we don't need to learn to live with it. We need to learn to deal with it temporarily. But when you say learn to live with COVID, it's almost like you're giving up on the cure aspect of it. And you're falling into the trap that uh, we've seen this pharmaceutical in, uh, industry really guide our, our medical uh, our medical findings over the last 50 years or so, where it's more about treatment than cure. You know, more about treatment than cure. And that's a path that I would really love to reverse, to where we focus more uh, on the on the cure aspect of diseases rather than treatment. Uh, I, I was um, I was reading up on polio, comparing that to to the COVID pa- uh, pandemic here. Granted, medical uh, science, of course, wasn't the, uh, what it is today. <laughs> uh, back whenever polio first was discovered, but between the initial discovery and now, it's been almost 125 years. And it wasn't until the last 30 years or so did not just the U.S. but other governments around the world focus on eradicating it. And we're now about, you know, 99.5 or 6% eradicated around the world. But do we really want to leave our kids and their, and their kids with a similar issue if we don't continue our focus on eradicating it rather than, quote, uh, if I were to quote, um, uh, you know, Chuck Schumer and uh, Mitch McConnell from, from earlier last week, just to learn to live with it, which they both said um, – uh, in several speeches on the on the Senate floor. Yeah, and, and to elaborate on them, what they mean by learn to live with it is learn to live with the lockdowns and the con- you know continuous um, uh, you know things that are harming our economy and and all of the other negative ills. 
Yeah. So when I say learn to, when I said earlier that we need to learn to deal with it, um, it I think they have a different twist on it. It's like let's continue mm-hmm. to live the way that we are living, and and people like you and I are, are saying no, 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 no. This is killing. This is killing Americans. There's other problems, and um, you know, there's other ills that come out of it. But we need we need to end this, and we need to. There there, there is no politician, particularly Democrat politician, that is is leading the path forward in a way out of this. Whether it's by the way, because uh, speaking of this, what what plan right now? What is the Biden administration working on? To whether it's more vaccines, whether it's you know what kind of research is going on to eradicate this? What are they doing scientifically? You know, uh, Trump was pretty open about what he was trying to do. I have no mm-hmm. idea what this current administration is trying to do uh, medically to, to deal with this. Do, do, are you? Have you heard? No, and think of it this way. In, in a 10-month period, Trump was on the, on the, uh, was in the, uh, the press room how many times a month, right? Talking to us about Nearly what they're every doing. Nearly every day, yeah. Yeah, and I focused a lot of that discussion uh, towards the end of that 10-month period on the vaccines. We now have been dealing with Joe Biden in his administration for longer than that 10-month period. They could have come up with another vaccine or even an even better one built on the ones we have already. Or <laughs> Improve what we what have. Could have. Exactly. Who knows what they could have come up with in, within a 10-month period, let alone the uh, the 14 months we've, we've been dealing with them now. So, right. Uh, it's really something. You know, and, uh, and people no aren't asking that question, and that's a very good question. And I'll tell you what, if you're out there and you – if, if any of you are out there and you are aware of the Biden administration coming, coming, working on something that is improving what we already have, come on this show and talk to me about it because I'm not aware of it. I am not aware of it at all. Yeah, I would encourage that. I would love to hear uh, if someone knows what well, we're doing. You and I both know the answer to that because if they were – uh, working to come up with a better vaccine, improve upon what we have, or uh, you know, a pro- you know, ha- uh, we had uh, uh, you know, Operation Lightspeed, where uh, you know the, Trump was really working, or Warp Speed, Operation Warp Speed, to get to find a new vaccine to do something to combat this. If we had a similar operation with Biden, we wouldn't be here today. Or we would be talking about it. They would be touting it all the time. Look at the leadership that Joe Biden and his administration is exhibiting. You know, th- this is a better operation than what Trump had. But the fact is, it's not there. Otherwise, they would be beating it into our heads every single day. And they're not. Yeah, no, they're not. And and you know what? If I were, uh, I'll, I'll go back to a, a paraphrased uh, quote from uh, Barack Obama that we heard during the election cycle. And I'll I'll PG it for the purpose of this, uh, <laughs> this this discussion. You know, never underestimate Joe Biden's ability to blank something up. Yes, he did you say remember, that. Yep. You, you know, and we're seeing it in real life right now. You know, it's incompetence from the top down, and that's that's really unfortunate that that's what we're dealing with. Yep. Yep. You know, and to your and to your point, our only way out of this is starting with the 2022 election cycle. 
Yep. Yeah, that's our first first wave to change what's happening with our country. So we'll we'll go ahead and wrap up on on this. The final note here is so what are the next steps for you in in this race? What are we looking at over the next uh, you know, several months leading into the the midterms? Yeah. So I'm taking a hard look at uh, at the approach that I would like to take and whether or not I could be the uh, uh, the candidate for the 8th district. You know, and if if uh, this is not the year, then it's not the year. But you won't it won't be the last you hear of me either. <laughs> uh, the one thing that uh, I've really become passionate about is making sure that um, I leave behind a better world than what uh, than what it was whenever I arrived. So, and in my case, you know, it, it comes a lot because I'm a new father. So I've been a, a father for a few years now, mm-hmm. and I see uh, and I feel differently about leaving something behind for my kids and, and their kids. So that will never go away. So whether or not I decide to, to run for this cycle or if I push it off to another cycle, it won't be the last time you hear my name. Well, I <laughs> love that fighting spirit. <laughs> I certainly do. <laughs> I really do. And we wish you the best of luck and we'll be watching this and uh, hopefully you can come back on the show again. Would you be willing to come and talk to us and give us some updates? I, I would love to. Yeah, I would love to. Loved it. Well, I've really appreciated speaking with you today, and I know the voters are going to be getting a lot out of uh, this podcast and uh, help to shape opinions of you and of the party and the plan. And I just, I love the ideas. I, I love the exchange of ideas. That's something that, you know, apparently is becoming kind of rare in political uh, America today is the free sharing of ideas and, and the debate and, uh, uh, you know, trying to find ways to move the country forward and uh, protect this country because we are the as we are seeing around the globe there's really only one bastion of freedom left and that's right here in the good old, good old usa absolutely absolutely and one of the things i always encourage people as i'm out and about in community talking to them and uh, is that don't look at the the letter behind someone's last name on a ballot you know get to know who they are what they believe in you know don't simply vote party line that's how we get into a mess like we're in right now. You know, in my case, you know, I live in a, in a heavily uh, Democratic district. I, I believe it's about 70 percent Democrat, 30 Republican. Um, and, and as a registered Republican, that puts me at a disadvantage simply because of the R after my name. You know, but when people sit down and they talk with me, they realize, hey, he's, he's not the, and he's not the crazy guy we think he is. <laughs> so I, I would encourage everybody out there, learn about your candidates whether it's myself or somebody else, learn about what they're about. Don't just look at what party they're part of. Yeah, and, you know, the Democrats, I, I think that's an important thing to understand with, particularly in a district like where you're in, they will see an R behind your name and they, they automatically make judgments about about you. Um, that's a mistake. You really, I think what happens with the Democrats, and here's the good news, is that Joe Biden, his administration is doing so bad right now. Even a lot of Democrats are realizing that. And knowing that, you you need to know that you Democrats that are out there and getting ready to vote, understand the values that many of you hold are the same values that we hold. Okay? Those are the same values. And there's a lot more to the Republican Party and, and candidates like Kevin that you have in common with than than not. In fact, you'll you'll likely find that you have much more in common with Kevin than you do some of the other people that are out there running, uh, particularly on the Democrat side. Uh, folks, this is a scary time that we're living in. 
And we need to wake up and we need to pay attention. All right? There's a lot going on, and it's not just COVID. A lot of other things going on that we need to pay attention to. So keep your heads up. So, Kevin, anything else to add before we close out? Hey, I, I just want to thank you for having me on. This, this was a, a good discussion. I, I enjoyed talking with you and uh, look forward to, uh, to coming back on. Oh, absolutely. We'd love to have you back on, and we will certainly do that. So, folks, once again, just check us out on Facebook, on Parlor, on Rumble, uh, Twitter even. Even the God-forbidden Twitter still there. I don't know why, but we're still there. But this is uh, the Mark Vine Show, and I thank you for joining us tonight, and we look forward to talking with you soon. You folks, keep your heads up. Uh, watch out, watch, you know, keep your head up and pay attention to what's going on on around the world because there's a lot going on. And we will look forward to talking with you all soon. All right, God bless America. Take care.